you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Great to see all your faces. Before I get started here today, I want to recognize what this weekend is all about. It's not about barbecues. It's not about going to the lake or the beach, although that's a great thing to do. It's remembering the fallen ones, our veterans, who have given their life for you to sit here and worship in freedom. I want to take a moment of silence to recognize them all. Yeah, let's clap too. There's no greater friend in Christ than a man or a woman who would lay down their life for you. Let's recognize them with a moment of silence. Thank you. Today's message is one that I really hope just reaches right into your spirit. It's a message on something that we don't talk about a lot in a church. It's a message about mental illness. It's a message for those of you who have experienced the families and friends who are touched by it, whether it be depression, bipolar, anxiety, substance use disorders, or both schizophrenia. And I want to tell you something today as you sit here. Christ does not want you to hide that. And I also want to be very clear with you. Christ suffered from mental illness. Whoa, how could you say that about the perfect, sinless son of God? He was more depressed in the hours before he went to that cross than you can imagine. And we are taking you to the Garden of Gethsemane today. But before we do that, I want to declare this in front of all of you. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against the name of Jesus. Nothing. Watch and listen. Says my king is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. 
elevated. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is decision. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his word is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's your king. That's your king. What a powerful name it is. And I'll say this later. And it was said in the song and in the worship today. When you're in your weakness, there's a new power in you. Your weakness is your strength. And the power of Christ is in you. No matter where you are, if you're down on that floor and you're trying to get up, the power of Christ is is in you. And you say, well, how do you know that? Let me tell you my personal testimony. It's really our personal testimony, our family's personal testimony. I met Kelly, my beautiful wife, in 1977. I was 17 years old. I didn't expect it to be a 42-year journey, a blessed journey. Thank you. We were married August 6, 1983. The best day of my life. A day that's etched in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. From 1985 to 1991, we had three beautiful children. They're not now all adults. One of them is here today, recently engaged. With her friend Brittany, who was raised up in this church. When I say she's recently engaged, I just want to break down and start to cry. Why? Because I'm so happy 
that she is engaged in that she is walking on water. She's so in love. That's my family. We had a wonderful, wonderful life. We still do, by the way. It was full of family, full of my parents, my brothers, Kelly's family. Our kids were in the community doing art, in plays, playing soccer with Sammy, right? It was just wonderful. I loved the community. Kelly and I had great jobs with wonderful people. And then I bring you to February 28th, 1995. We're at Atatash in North Conway, a two-week ski vacation, the best thing in the world. And out of the blue, with no explanation, no forewarning, Kelly is hit with a severe clinical depression. And when I mean hit, I mean to the floor at the condominium in Atatash. She went from that floor to a hospital for 10 days. I had three kids who didn't know what was happening. I had no power in my life. I didn't know what to do. She went from the floor to the hospital. She came home to me and the kids. And then she went back to Jesus Christ. She went to a church like this, where a pastor spoke the word of God into her. She explains it as there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the church, but he was only speaking to me. And fast forward that same year, 1995, October 1st, I'm in discipleship class. That's funny, right? I'm in discipleship class, but I don't believe. And the pastor is going around the different couples and saying, hey, let's talk about your testimony. And I'm sitting there going, oh boy, I don't know this God, but if I were to give a false testimony, that would probably be real bad, especially to the pastor of the church with this group, right? So I was truthful. That was October 1, 1995. The testimonies were unbelievable, just really powerful. That day, I walked down an aisle like this and said, how you doing, Jesus? I surrender to you, Jesus. The whole family surrendered to Jesus. Now, fast forward, we're 24 years later. We're sitting in a beautiful church with wonderful people. Whether it be life group or in these services, you just experienced the worship. You just experienced a pastor who is so in the spirit, he can't even talk. So wrapped up in the spirit. And God gives that to all of you free. We're elders in a church, so we get to serve people. We get to counsel people. We get to love people right where they're at. We experience the joy now of four grandchildren, triplet grandsons and a little granddaughter, right? God, thank you. Do you notice something? There's so much joy in this. From that crisis, we went to Christ. Kelly went back, and I was born from above, right? Born again. There is awesome power in God. 
And we'll talk about our God in just a few seconds. But here's what he does, and here's really my life verse. Many of you are familiar with this. This is in Philippians, excuse me, 4, 6, and 7. You can turn there or you can go in your phones and, and take a look at this. This is what God does when you are anxious. This is what God does when you are full of worry, when your life is full of fear. This is what he says to you. Do not be anxious, but about it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've got peace and I got love in my heart. Right? And it all started because of a crisis. It all started from our weakness, from a tragedy from something that I couldn't believe that a God would bring into my life. Come on, what am I going to do with these kids? What is happening? Christ appears on the scene. And from that, joy, joy, and more joy. Is life always just this cakewalk for us? Of course it isn't. But we've got Christ. We've got the joy, and it's a pure joy. Now I want to totally switch gears. That's us. I want to take you to a point about 12 hours before Jesus Christ takes the wrath upon the world upon himself and suffers a death that we can't even imagine. He's had the Last Supper with his disciples. He's been in the upper room in Jerusalem, and Peter is saying to him, as Jesus is explaining, I'm going away and you're going to be scattered. Peter's sitting there saying to him, not me. I, I, will, I will go to death with you. I am following you. And what does Jesus say? You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. Exactly what happened, right? That's where we're at. Jesus takes his disciples to Gethsemane just about a 15, 20-minute walk away to a garden where he prays. And I want to read you these verses because they are so powerful that my words can't even explain them. But that's the setting you're in. So now we're in Matthew 26, verse 36. If you're looking on your phones or you have your Bibles, this is more powerful than we can imagine, especially if some sort of mental illness or substance use disorder is at play in your life or you're being touched with it right now. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. 
Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Great reaction to what he's just prayed, right? Uh, And sometimes that's what we do with mental illness. We know it's in front of us, but we want to push it away and go somewhere else. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then he went away for a third time and said the same prayer. This is the king of kings. If you read Mark 14, 32 to 39, if you read Luke 22, 42, you'll see the same story played out. What is this prayer? Pass this cup from me. Why does he want a cup passed from him? The cup is his pending death. The cup is the wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon him. Can you imagine that? But do you notice what he does? When he prays that, he then says, yet not as I will, but as you will. He's aligned with God's purpose. He's saying, if that's your purpose, if that's your plan, here I go, right to that cross. And then he says this in John 18, 11, because he's about to be arrested. And good old Peter's there with a sword, and he's cutting, cutting people's ears off. And Jesus says this to him. Again, good old Peter. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. He's yelling at him at this point. Put it away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Now he's aligned with God's will. Now he is ready. And you say, wow, how could he be ready? He knows the joy that's on the other side of that. He knows he's going to be in three days sitting at the right hand of his father. Could there be more joy than that? He's wrestling with the will of God, but he's going to follow the will of God. It is just powerful, powerful, powerful. And notice something in this. He says in verse 38, and this is worth reading again to you. This is a description of his depression. This is a description of his anguish, of his anxiety. This is his mental illness at play in the garden. Here's what he said. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You can't get more depressed than that. He's sorrowful to the point of death. You know what else he is? He's transparent. He's sharing this with his closest friends. He's not hiding it. He's not covering it. He doesn't have a stigma of mental illness on him. And neither do you. Neither does Kelly Temple. That went away a long time ago. Neither do the people who stand with her. And Jesus certainly was transparent with it. So here's the question. If the perfect, sinless son of God, your Messiah, can be depressed, can have mental illness creep into his life, 
why can't you? And more importantly, once it creeps in, whether it's, excuse me, whether it's you or a family member, why would we ever condemn ourselves or a family member or a friend for being depressed just like Jesus Christ was? Substance use disorders, mental illness, how dare we condemn them? How dare we not stand alongside of these wonderful people who are in the midst of a disease? Amen. Right? If they had cancer, you're standing beside them, rightfully so. If they had diabetes, you're standing beside them, rightfully so. But how dare us cover that up? It's time to tear the veil off of it. It's time to go to that garden and do what Christ did. It's time to tell people, I'm suffering from this. Help me. It's time to stand with mental illness. Right? We have to do that. Why? Because Jesus set the example for this. Now, listen to these words from Paul. Paul suffered a lot. Paul was originally a persecutor of Christ, right? But Christ struck him down on the road to Damascus, and now he's a disciple, he's a follower, right? And he wrote wonderful letters. And he's explaining to everybody, well, I, you know, this, this has been tough. <laughs> I've been in prison. This is horrible stuff, right? And here's what he said, Jesus said to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know what Paul's response to that was? Paul doesn't say, well, I'm just going to now be transparent and disclose this stuff. Here's where Paul goes with it. He goes a step farther. Here's what Paul says. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He's going to go out and even boast about it. There'll be no shame for Paul with what he's gone through. There'll be no shame in his weakness. And I am telling you right here, right now, there is no shame in your weakness. Zero shame in your weakness. Strike it away. Why? Because God's power is made perfect in that weakness. Absolutely perfect. He doesn't say better. He doesn't say well. He doesn't say you're moving along this journey. He says perfect. He will guide you to all the right people. Doctors, psychologists, therapists, treatment providers, all of those people. He's controlling your steps. He will heal you of these stripes. There's no doubt about it. And just remember this, people. And this includes all the people who are standing with you. Our weakness, because we're all weak. Can anyone in this room say, oh, I've never had any despair, never had any sadness. I'm just happy, happy, happy. There's joy in my life every step I take. I've never had a bad situation. I've never had a friend leave me. I've never had a spouse leave me. I've never had anyone die in my life. I've never had a tough day at work. No one can say it. You have all suffered some level of despair. This message is for all of us. There's just some of us who have really suffered like Christ and like Paul. So if you're suffering, 
Just remember, you're just like your Messiah. You're no different. Be transparent. Let people know. Cry out. 1995, excuse me, was a year of trials for the temple family. It was a year of weakness in many ways for the temple family. But I'll tell you what it really was. It was a year of miraculous strength and power. That new power through Christ came into our lives. And you have immediate access to that new power. Let it in. Here's what I want to do as we conclude here today. There's no more hiding this, people, in this church or outside of this church. If you have a mental illness, if you have a substance use disorder, if you have both co-occurring disorders, or if you are a friend or a family member who have dealt with that or are dealing with it now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up right now. Stand up. Just like Christ stood up in that garden. Yeah. A lot of people standing up. I want to tell you right now in the midst of this, Christ is standing with you right now. The Holy Spirit has flooded this place. He is with you. And in his power, there is perfection. In his power, your weakness is becoming strength. Right now, right in this place, in this moment. Make no mistake about it. Your weakness is your strength. Your weakness is not your weakness. Your depression, your anxiety, your substance use disorder, that is not a sin. Don't let anyone tell you that. That is a power in you that gives you what you're going to be in life. You will overcome it through the power of Jesus Christ. I can only say this to all of you. You do not stand alone. Look at all the people standing just in this group. People stand with you. I want to I read some verses for a song before the worship team starts. It's called, Oh Praise the Name. And we've been singing it here. And it gives us just what this process takes. Just what Jesus went through. Here's the verses. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone, separated from God. What a horrific, horrific death. What depression, what sorrow, what sadness. But let's flip that right on its head. Because at the name of Jesus, darkness trembles. At the name of Jesus, all fear is removed away. And here is how the song goes. Then on the third day, at the break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. That's the joy that you have in your life. Let's end in prayer. You can be seated, by the way. Dear God, your power is made perfect in our weakness. Holy Spirit, 
flood this place right now in this moment. God, shower us with your grace, your strength, and your blessings. Christ, let us humble ourselves and turn our faces to you for healing. In this moment, touch every soul who is suffering, whether it be from depression, bipolar, anxiety, schizophrenia, a substance use disorder, a disease of the mind, God, you come in and you instill them with your power, your strength, and your blessing. Rid of us all, every one of us, of the anxieties and worries and give us that peace that passes all understanding. If you're here today and you're praying right now in mental illness, substance use disorder has crept in, know that the power of God is with you. If you're here today and you don't have that power, if you're like me in 1995, a 35-year-old guy whose life is crumbling around him and has no power in his own at all, and you've just been introduced to Jesus Christ, everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. If you feel that you just want to surrender to Christ, if you feel that you want to pray this prayer and just say, Christ, come into my heart, come into my soul. I believe that you were depressed. I believe that you cried tears of blood and sorrow in that garden. And I believe you did the will of God and went to that cross and died for my sin and the sins of this world. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to do anything at all with you. You're welcome to pray with us afterwards. But just raise your hand if you didn't believe and you now believe. Anybody, as I scan. And if you're somebody or someone in a family and you've suffered from mental illness or substance use disorder, I just pray for you in this moment that the love of Christ will be upon you. Oh, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, our King. Oh, what a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.